History is a Crowd. I'm here once again with my co-host, Kelly. How's it going, Kelly, from Portland, Oregon? How are you? Uh, it, it It's so good in, in Portland. It's finally Portland again. It's like, mm. it was so oh, smoky and so bright and so hot, and it's finally just like overcast and rainy and like cold. I'm so happy. <laughs> I'm so happy. Out here in... Um, what what do I call this place? Bull Run out here in Bull Run mm-hmm. in, in in Virginia, it is uh it is warm. It's still in the seventies. My sister got married last Gross. week and it was seventy degrees. It was like the most literal perfect day. The day before was a little too cold. The day after was uh, like raining on and off. So it just ended up being the best day, the perfect day. But I am still thrown by this seventy degree weather, and I cannot wait to go back to the Pacific Northwest. This will be my last winter. Out in the wilderness of the East Coast. <laughs> That's right. The urban jungle, as the other, as some, you may call it. Uh, get me out of here. Get me the fuck out of here. But we're not here today to talk about um, urban policy or the East Coast or the food and culture of the people out here. We are here today to talk about Bob Dylan. That's right. This is a Bob Dylan podcast. We get together um, once in a while. Let's just say it. Once in a while. We get together. <laughs> We pick a song at random at the end of this episode. We'll pick a new one, and then we'll get together whenever, and we'll talk about it. We'll create a public playlist. We'll talk about the song, its title, lyrics, all that kind of shit. And uh, at the end of the week, we'll get together. At the end of the week. See, this is an old script. At the end of whenever, we'll get back together and discuss it. I have been listening to Bob Dylan for most of my life. Kelly has heard roughly the same number of songs as the year in B.C., that Rome defeated Carthage and then Greece, cementing themselves as a world power for the next 600 years. But this week, we listened to 1961 slash 2. 136. Picnic Massacre. Well, I run right down and bought a ticket to this thing called the Bear Mountain Picnic. Little did I realize I was in for a pleasant, funny surprise. It had nothing to do with picnics. Didn't come close to a mountain. I hate bears. That's right, Kelly. We are here today to talk about 1961-62's Great, maybe. We'll talk about it. Talking Bear Mountain Picnic Massacre Blues. Uh, also goes by a lot of names. Bob Dylan has introduced it many ways. Um, and if you want to do listen to... Uh, the versions we're going to talk about, they're on the playlist. We're going to talk about a few that are not as well, but you can easily find them on YouTube or uh, wherever you find bootleg stuff. But first, Kelly, very importantly, this episode is brought to our very first Substack subscriber. That's right. We have oh. a Substack. It's technically our website. Um, I kind of didn't really think twice about putting everything onto Substack. It just seemed easier to kind of have the notes and everything. And then uh, this great person, their name is Lainey, uh, L-A-N-I. Um, oh, Laney. Okay. Laney, yeah. Or yeah, Lonnie. Yeah, yeah. Laney. Um, and uh, they have decided to support us. And you can too. Um, we'll get to all of our support stuff later on. But, you know, we do have a Patreon uh, that you can find in the show notes. And you can also uh, just sign up at the Substack. I mean, you can obviously, um, we definitely encourage people to like sign up for the emails so you know when a new episode comes out, which again is quite random. And whenever, as we've said a million times, intermittent is definitely uh, what would we, we would used to describe ourselves. Um, so if you want to keep up, sign up for Substack. It is free. Um, all the all the um, podcasts so far on there are free. And if you want to support us on Patreon, there are a couple of random one-off episodes that are no longer really available that you can listen to. And if there's a way for me to do that on Substack, I'll figure it out, and we'll go from there. But I, I do want to thank them for signing up. And if you want to um, support us either way, we can, we'll throw an episode your way. You'll support the next episode, whatever the song is. 
So if that sounds cool. Yes. Thank you, Lainey or Lonnie or whatever your name is for letting everyone hear this discussion about Bear Mountain Picnic Disaster Massacre Blaster Blues. Blaster Blues. Number one, first and foremost. All right, Kelly, before let's let's uh, is is that how this works? We just get right into it. I think so. Yeah, (laughs) it's it's been so long because we are now uh, financially able to have this conversation about talking Bear Mountain Picnic Massacre Blaster Blues. Uh, I want to know before I get into the context and just what is this event in general? Uh, I want to know how you feel about the song. Had you ever heard of it before? I don't say that it was super famous or anything like that, but maybe something has seeped down. And we've done a couple talking blues, so uh, I'm curious about what you think about the song in general. I think the song is good. It's fun. It's so bouncy. Um, it's fun. He like is really getting it on the guitar. And I tried to learn it classically mm. five minutes before we got mm-hmm. uh, got together. And deceptively difficult. Like it sounds very easy. And in fact, it's only three chords, you know, right. only three chords. But he's doing so many embellishments. He and is. the way he puts that bass line into it. I know, it the bass I was listening to that. It's so impressive. Uh-huh. Do you want me to noodle on the guitar real quick? Here, you Do can it. just. Do it. Okay. So it's in the key of, of G major. Uh, it's only, only a G, a C, and D chord, right? Which is like. Yeah. The first three chords everyone's ever learned on the guitar. So I definitely just doing know that. that. I sold my uh, other acoustic guitar and the guy was like, can I have a strap too? And I was like, son of a bitch. So now I have no strap for my acoustic guitar anyway. With no embellishments because I can't do that, right? So that's pretty straightforward. But then he's doing this like... Right. Uh, And doing that at the same time. There's no, there's no way. Pretty How? Cool. It's pretty cool. I can't. So I like tried, to, and I wasn't even doing it right, but I was like super slow. I was like, yeah. I mean, that's right, but. Yeah. Catch me in two years when I play sure. that every day for fucking three hours. Oh no! Sorry. There's a Bear Mountain Massacre picnic happening. Uh, on my chair. I just knocked over my vodka. Okay. Oh, no. Anyway, we're back. So, yeah, three chords, yeah. theoretically. But the dude is going, and he's playing all mm-hmm. the bass line in it, too. Yeah. And I'm just like, God damn you. God damn you. And singing. And playing the harmonica. It's like, And not just singing, ah, but dude. riffing. The best part about all of this talking blues is oh, that yeah. it's not even worth going into the changes. I mean, we'll talk about some of them, but it's not worth going into it because basically he has the verse structures in his head and he's able to just riff like crazy. And the fact that some of them are super long and, and I think that those are the most, um, the, the, be- the best versions of them is when he just kind of goes on and you're like, oh my God, he's still talking. Um, but just to be able to do that and then sometimes they're like super short and you're like, okay, you're kind of over this this song. But he, he does have a lot of talking blues so I'm sure they're all kind of the same like that where they mm-hmm. kind of have that rolling and the bass and I'm sure you just get so used to it playing like that. And, you know, Woody Guthrie played a lot of talking blues. So I'm sure that was what he practiced on so much that it almost became mm-hmm. second nature. But wh- whereas today, nobody does a talking blues outside of like genre specific. And, you know, obviously it, you almost feel like you're riffing from the past. I, I can't. Mm-hmm. Who, who does a talking blues anymore? You know? Yeah. Especially someone question. that's famous, you know. But so so you enjoyed it. You Were, were yeah. you curious at all about the actual Bear Mountain Picnic Massacre blues itself. I do have information on that. It's something I wasn't actually aware is a sort of true event, the way that he, he sort of talks about it at the Brandeis concert. He's about right 
in what he's describing. But did had you ever heard of anything like this? Or you sent me no, a YouTube video. Not. Yeah. Um, so we we follow a woman named Caitlin Doty who ha- her like YouTube moniker is Ask Mortician because yeah. uh, she is a, a funeral home owner in in California and she's been one for years and years. She's in the death industry, I guess, is what she what how she says it. I don't know. Anyway, so we've watched her videos for a long time and she makes these like short documentary type videos. But she like put a ton of effort and time and research and energy into this video about the tragedy of the SS Eastland. And we just happened to watch that because we, you know, we watch her videos. And then when I was listening to this song, I was like, oh, my God, this is a fucking about that boat. And then. I was like, it's not 100% about it. And then I looked it up and I was like, oh, he is talking about a different event. But some of the details are kind of mismatched yeah. with the SS Eastland. So, yeah, yeah, I don't know how if you ended up watching that video. or. Yeah, no, I, I, I tapped in just to, I mean, I've seen a couple of her videos from you guys and then subscribed to her. Um, but when I started watching it, I was like, the whole time I, I was about Dylan Fan, I had no idea. And it's only in the last couple of years that somebody posted a blog post where they found the actual like articles about like the newspaper mm. articles of the event itself that I've seen. And uh, so I do, I do want to bring that up, but so I sort of tapped in and I realized there are a lot of um, disasters, if you will, stuff like this, <laughs> what he's describing. I mean, it happened like there was a famous one in South Korea. There was a famous one in Africa. I just read a, an article about people trying to get like money for survivors back in like the, this was in like the two thousands and like 800 people died. I think the one is um, in uh, South Korea, a couple years ago was like a thousand people um, that died on the ferry boat. On a boat? And that's yeah, oh yeah, and that's something that that happens, um, you know, in you just lot, lots of people, and they're always that it's overcrowded. I mean, it used to happen on um, um, what are they called the um, the paddle boats, not the paddle boats, but the um, the ones with the spinning. Why can't I think of the word for it? The boats on like the Mississippi. Oh yeah, yeah. Yeah, like the gambling boats with the big wheel steamships or whatever. Steamships, yeah. So steamships used to go down for that very reason, too. There was a famous one that was overloaded with Union soldiers after the war that was heading up north, and it just exploded, and it killed a bunch of people that that had just escaped the war and Mm. died afterwards. So there was a lot of stuff, and there was a famous one, too, in New York uh, around the same area that went down in the 1920s. Um, So, again, that could also be an influence of the whole thing. But, no, it turns out... The song itself was written in 1961, June of 1961, and he wrote it, he says, overnight, pretty much right away. But um, Noel Stokely, who is a member of Peter, Paul, and Mary, he is Paul, his middle name is Paul, um, he was the master of ceremonies also at Gaslight, the Gaslight um, Cafe, where we have a version of this, and obviously Bob Dylan spent a lot of time there. And at the Gaslight one night, he gave him a newspaper clipping of this event. I don't know what stood out to him about it or why he gave it to Bob. But he did, and it was a copy of the New York Herald Tribune's uh, coverage of the event of a Father's Day picnic that was overbooked to Bear Mountain State Park. Now, in my head, and the way he talks about it at Brandeis is, this is a story that didn't happen, right? It didn't happen. Mm -hmm. It didn't happen. And so I I always just assumed it was a fictional tale completely, but it turns out it was not actually fictional. There was a real boat called the Hudson Bell. That, that is the boat in question. It could take 3,000 people. And again, this is leaving Manhattan, uh, specifically 134th Street, up the Hudson River to Bear Mountain. So it's not too far of a distance away, but it is something that probably doesn't happen every day. But it's uh, something that people cobble together tickets to take this boat to go have a nice Father's Day. Instead of 3,000 people, though, there were 4,000 people that showed up at 9 o'clock that Sunday. Now, according to, and I'll link the blog in question in the show notes, um, the, the woman's name is uh, Sharana. 
who wrote the blog post. Uh, so I'm going to quote her twice here. But the first quote is, quote, this was due to the work of three teen- teenagers. The reason why there's a, another thousand people at the pier that day. Uh, Joseph Osborne, 19, Arnold Cherry, 19, and Philip Clayton, 18. They had produced and sold 1,000 counterfeit tickets to the event. At the pier, the ship just happened to be late, and people started talking, and some people realized that they had bought tickets for only $3, which was significantly less than what the regular customers paid for their tickets. So fights ensued. Cops were called. There were 40 police officers on at the, at the scene, if you will, when the boat came into dock. And this, again, is from the blog post. Quote, 60 people were trampled or, trampled or, f- or fainted. Nine people were carried off to the hospital and 50 were treated at the pier. Around 2,500 people managed to fight their way on board before Captain George Berry canceled the trip and ordered everybody off. Uh, in the face of overwhelming chaos, beer cans, bottles, and insults were hurled at the captain and his crew as the angry cloud, as the angry crowds left. So there actually was no trip to Bear Mountain uh, because of these teenagers who were afterwards arrested, which is kind of insane. I don't know what happened to them. And uh, Stoke, Stokely um, or Stokey said uh, after, quote, there's real humor about the state of human greed here, which is kind of what we see in Bob Dylan's final verse. But. I think in the end, Bob Dylan sort of used this idea to kind of that last verse is really what he's getting at. And he was able to spin this yarn about a Bear Mountain picnic. Again, I don't know exactly why Stokey would show him this thing. And it wasn't something that they even really knew about. I mean, it was, it made the news, but it wasn't a huge event. But here we are. So it was a real event. It, it, something like this really did happen. But that's the extent of it. It was if people wanted to go on a ship, they didn't make it. And Bob said, well, wouldn't it be funny if they did and we all drown? Well, I think that's uh, that's Bob. Well, that's why I immediately thought it was about the Eastland. And that's what's like, this is not funny. This is fucking tragic. So just a quick thing about what that was. It was uh, July 24th, 1915. It was employees of the Western Electric Company. It was their Hawthorne Works uh, like factory in Cicero, Illinois. And it was their annual like company picnic. And it was like, these. this is times where people are working six days a week and like, don't often get a vacation and also like this is a big deal and you bring your entire family and everyone goes and it's it's goes from cicero to michigan city sorry yeah michigan city yeah anyway so the this boat the ss eastland had multiple like complaints or issues of listing right so it like Mm -hmm. every time they and they added like they replaced the floors with like concrete floors to make it even heavier they uh after the titanic which was just three years yeah. before in 1912 right they uh made it so that you had to have more lifeboats on every boat so they made it even heavier so it's just like this boat that already had problems that just got heavier and heavier year after year they're like yeah let's put everybody on there so it was uh everybody got there at 6 30 and by uh like 7 10 the the boat was at capacity 2570 people right and at 7.28, so, like, within 20 minutes, the boat began to list to port, so the left side. And people were like, oh, shit, what do we do? The crew was, like, filling up the ballast beneath the ship to make it heavier on the starboard side to try to ride it. But it was, like, already going. So as the boat started to go, things started flying. So people were, like, immediately crushed to death by, like, fucking giant fridges and all that kind of stuff. And it just, like, finally all the way toppled over. And uh, the the river was is only 20 feet deep, but it ended up killing... 800 something people mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. they couldn't get out because you know the people that were crushed immediately were the people that were trapped because people had gone to the lower decks because oh, it was yeah. cold so like they weren't on the top to jump off because the people that were at the very top were lucky they could just like kind of jump off as it was falling but yeah man it was like 
nobody the thing that was shocking about this and why Caitlyn Doty did it is because she's like I never heard of this and like so many people fucking died it was like the Titanic that happened in America and she kind of went into why it wasn't as famous it's like well there wasn't rich people there Mm -hmm. were fewer deaths but like 800 people significant it's the most that had ever died in something like that in um you know on the Great Lakes I think it's like the greatest loss of life on the Great Lakes or whatever just like but yeah it's, it's insane man I like I I can't believe that it's so sad. A giant boat fell into 20 feet of water and killed 800 people. Um, so that's why with the song, I was like, he's talking about everybody dying. So I was like, oh, maybe he just like, he probably didn't even know. He probably didn't know about this, though. Like, nobody Almost knew about it. The paper barely not. covered it. No, and there were, again, like, there were ferry accidents that happened in New York, too. I mean, although he is a Midwester, I mean, again, it's way before his time. So it's one of those things that unless you're cracking open a book, I mean, it wasn't unknown knowledge. It's just not general knowledge. I mean, in the way, like, the the one for the Civil War, it's, I'm sure it's more general than that. I've never heard of that either. But the one for the Civil War is less famous because it's after the war. It's in the Mississippi River. That's not where people were fighting. You know, so, like, that accident right there, I had never known about until way later in my life. And I think it just has to do with geography. It has to do with local history. We're not really from that area either, so we probably right. won't know. But he, he is, Bob is. I mean, I'm not to say that yeah. Bob doesn't know or not know, but it is kind of macabre if like, if you're even in any way hearkening to that, this story almost has nothing to do with it. It's just yeah, be trying to be silly, but it is like not a really silly thing. It's, it's very serious and kind of fucked up, kind of, kind of nuts. I mean, yeah. that's a crazy story. That's a lot of people. That's what you see from the fairies in Africa and Asia. And it's crazy to think of like that happening like back in the day in, in America. It's nuts. That's a lot of people. Yeah. She interviewed some people that are in the area, like in, you know, outside of Chicago in Cicero, right? That right. they like, yeah, I remember growing up, my mom would always be like, you better learn how to swim so you don't end up like those people on the Eastland. It was like this like urban legend thing, from yeah. years and years of past. Nobody even knew what it meant. But like, well, I'm the fucking Eastland. I mean, but yeah, it's. Nuts. But so when he says a picnic that didn't happen, maybe he just means that they never went to the picnic or like, or like about yeah. something that never happened. Maybe he's not saying this event never happened. He's just like they never they just never made it. to the picnic. Well, it's funny, too, that like this was what for like was it you said it was a holiday Memorial Day or something or or it was like the end of. No, this was just like the company. Oh, their it was company. Just July picnic. 24th. Gotcha. Just. Yeah. Yeah. Just a regular company. Yeah. Because this thing was on Father's Day. So the whole point here right. was Father's Day trying to get them out to the to Bear Mountain. But. Yeah, I don't know. I, I, I don't know where he's pulling it from, but I'm sure it's like a mixture of all of those things. I'm sure it's not hard to imagine it going down. And again, if your whole point is like you look at that story and you don't really think about the actual steamboat stuff or whatever's going on with like the trip, you're thinking about the greed. The song was uh, performed at the Gaslight uh, Cafe in September of 1961 and then was uh, rec- or, uh, performed t- two months later at Carnegie Chapter Hall, which was Bob Dylan's like first big show. Uh, we listened to both of those uh independently since they're not on Spotify, but you can uh, listen to those on YouTube or wherever. Um, with Song to Woody, our 32nd episode, th- it's generally considered that this song and that song were the two biggest influences that sort of bolstered Dylan's profile to him getting uh, met by John Hammond and even getting the job to play harmonica um, on Hester's record and then meeting John Hammond and all of that. So, you know, it's kind of a big, a big song for him in, in that way. Uh, we also listened to uh, the Leeds demo, which is at the, on the Whitmark tapes, um, an early Whitmark, not before it was Whitmark, you know, Leeds. Um, he made that in February 1962. We'll talk about that in a moment as well. In that session as well, he did a couple other songs, including Hard Times in New York Town, 
which is our 16th episode that you can go back and listen to, one of our first ones. But a lot of other ones on there, too, that are really great to this day. Poor Boy Blues, uh, Ballad for a Friend, Rambling Gamblin' Willie, which I can't wait to do, uh, Man on the Street, classic, and another song called Standing on the Highway, not to be confused with Down the Highway, our 95th episode, uh, which was a pretty forgettable uh forgettable episode forgettable song this uh song however was recorded during the freewheeling sessions which is the version we have on the bootleg series volume one through three uh how this didn't make the cut but down the highway did is probably not that big of a obviously it's not as good of a song but you already have a couple talking blues you've, you've got talking world war three blues which sort of uh superseded talking john birch paranoid blues our 14th episode um that was originally going to be on the record but was nixed because of political concerns it was too too hot to put that song on a record so edgy. so they took that off talk of world war three blues took its place you could even say that i shall be free our 33rd episode even though it's kind of a humorous song is pretty much a talking blues as well so if you were to have a third talking blues you might be pigeonholing your, yourself just a little bit uh he performed this song for the last time at brandeis university in massachusetts on may 10th 1963 as i said his account of the of the incident was pretty accurate, except for doubling the amount of passengers that were on the boat or trying to get on the boat. It's all and saying pretty, that the boat sank. Pretty much, yeah. Outside of all of that, I mean, but just like how we got there, pretty good. And um, BobDylan.com says that it was performed twice, but it was actually performed three times. So you know, you can't really. Like, well, we know BobDylan.com is not accurate. <laughs> famous, famous for lying, and really, even the lyrics, the official lyrics, as Bob Dylan finally like finalized them. There are lines in here. He doesn't even sing on any of the versions. Like, I mean, he's always moaning. He's never screaming. He hasn't screamed on any one of the versions. And yet the <laughs> lyrics are like, I'm screaming. It's like, whatever, man. It's fine. You do you. Um, we, As I said, we listened to a bunch of versions. So let's talk about them. The first one is obviously uh, volume one through three, which is take three. Um, famously, take two was announced to be a part of the uh, 50th anniversary copyright tapes. You know, the, they released uh, 100 CDRs out in the public in Europe uh, back in like 2012 or whatever, just to like get another copyright um, on all oh, of these songs because they were all going to go out of copyright in Europe. So they just did 100 CDRs, put them out, and um, and renewed it. However, they said that take two of Talking Bear Mountain Picnic is on there, and it was actually the song Wichita Blues going to Louisiana. So it wasn't even the right song. Liars! I know. So to this day, we don't have the, those first two takes, as far as I know. So those are still somewhere deep down in the bowels of, of the Columbia Vault somewhere. Uh, we also had Volume 9, uh, which is the Leeds demo that we just talked about, so we'll talk about that in a moment. And then, like I said, we did um, the Brandeis Live one. That, all three of those are on the on the playlist, and the Gaslight and the Carnegie Chapter Hall are on YouTube or in your private collection. Uh, so, Kelly, let's um, get into them. I mean, the first question I would have for those five takes that we did, what um, did any of them stand out to you? Obviously, we kind of use... The volume one through three one to be sort of our baseline. If we if we treat that one mm. like the the base, um, which which version do you feel like is better? Where do you come down on on any of those? What are your thoughts about all those versions? I do think the bootleg series volume one through three one, which is like our the the standard for the yeah. song. I think that one is the best. I think it has the most energy and like playfulness. He does his like goat bleedy laugh thing that mm-hmm. he does, um, but not as as exaggerated as like I think uh, the gaslight one. One of them he just like does it so many times. Um, 
I like the Whitmark version because of its clarity. You can, you know, we've talked about how he used those. They were demos. It was supposed to be for other people to record them, they right? Were. So those are going to be his most professional, for lack of a better term, versions where mm-hmm. he's like, the lyrics are real. I need to get them correctly. Well, he I did. Com- he, he, like, I know. And I, 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 I need like, to get my... <laughs> I need to get my strumming right. I need to right. like just do this as clearly as I possibly can so other people can play this song. Right. So I, I appreciate those as like an educational piece, but I would say outside of the bootleg one, my favorite one was the Brandeis University one because it was so fun. I like know. he's just playing at a, and I think he's like high or drunk or something. The dude seems out of it. Undoubtedly. But he if that was one of his like biggest first shows, he was probably nervous as fuck. Well, no, so, the Brandeis no, I think the Brandeis is so powerful because it's three it's already two years into like he's already at that point a superstar. Oh, okay. Like I think that's why the, the two ones in 61 are kind of weird. You know, the Carnegie chapter, I think, was pretty good, and we're getting close oh, to— Oh, the Carnegie one is, is that one. Okay, gotcha. Yeah, the yeah. Carnegie one is, the, like, four minutes, and that one's getting gotcha. close to the final version because then it was Carnegie, and then he went in to record um, a, a little bit after that. But, like, the, the Gaslight one where it's six minutes long— it's clear oh that like God. it's kind of we're just we're just riffing here, and he kind of like plays everything a little longer, but the song is like there. It's all there. Mm-hmm. It's just yeah, wild. But Brandeis, if, I feel uh, like he his vocal delivery, everything is like peak Dylan at that. Not peak. I mean, maybe some people speak, but I like Brandeis mainly because it's like he's just like giving it. He is like a star. He drops his fucking guitar. That was incredible. It's like what I wrote down. I did a timestamp because I was like, he drops his guitar at four (laughs) minutes and 12 seconds into the song and picks it up five seconds later. Does not stop singing. Does not miss a fucking beat. And I was like, now, okay, so if it's not one of his first performances, then it is not nerves. It is. The man is like (laughs) fucked up. He uh, is fucked up. (laughs) No, this is like third record. out of his mind, but like, just, I was like, this dude is such. A professional. That's mm-hmm. what you do. You don't stop. The show must go on. Just keep fucking going, Bob. Who cares if the guitar is in your hand? I wonder, like, I hope somebody from off stage was like, fuck, and ran in and, like, put it back <laughs> in his hand. Like, he's still strumming, right? Like, the guitar fell, but his hands never stopped moving. Sure. So they just, like, shoved it into his hands <laughs> and like, started right, playing so. again. Like, incredible. That was yeah. one of my favorite moments I've ever heard on tape. And I love the little, like, college guy coming out at the end, right, where he's like, I wrote it down. Don't forget tomorrow night, Pete Seeger, Gene mm-hmm. Ritchie. Uh, so, Charles, something I could not hear what he said. I put down "Run, Dollar, Run." That's not what it is. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Charles River Valley Boys mm-hmm. uh, and Hobart Smith Nationality Concert in the Afternoon Workshop Cinema. <laughs> it's like oh. I was up googling like '60s folk band "Run, Dollar, Run." I'm like, no, this is not a thing. Not. And everything that came up was like, "Did you mean Pete Seeger?" I was like, "No, I didn't fucking mean Pete Seeger." Oh, maybe, so. maybe, but maybe there's a connection to, between that, you know. Yeah, it could be. I don't, I don't know. So we'll never know. If somebody has access to that what Brandeis University mm-hmm. recording, and at the end, the little MC dude, what band does he say after Gene Ritchie? Pete Seeger, Gene Ritchie, Run Dollar Run, <laughs> Charles, Charles River Valley Boys. Tweet us or Instagram us or whatever, at mm-hmm. SOTW oh, yes. Pod. Wow. And tell us what, the, what you think or what you know. What, that, what, that little what MC do you know? Think. Are you now yeah. and have you ever been a member of Run? Mm-hmm. What is it? Run Valley, Valley Run? Run? Run dollar run. Run dollar run. As as far as we know, run dollar run. Have you That's been right. a part of that band? Let let us know. Um, yeah, I do love. Um, I, I would say like a couple of the highlights before I get into like my one major point. I, I liked. Um, he called it the Bear Mountain Picnic Disaster Massacre Blues. I enjoyed that. I wish that mm-hmm. was the actual title. He said that, that was at the Gaslight one, yeah. Right. Yeah. And then I do love when we got to the first Yippee, which always kind of killed it, which I'm a fan of at every concert. I do like the crowd in the very first one at the Gaslight where the, you could hear the guy clearly go, ha, Yippee. Like he was so excited <laughs> about the Yippee part. And I'm like, okay, well, that mm-hmm. went over well. But then I guess my whole point is like, 
nothing else did. At that point, it was an incredibly staid performance. And I, I get the jokes. I'm sure it is funny just inherently. And the, your delivery is a bit humorous. But I think that's why the first version is so... The first version being the take three from the freewheeling sessions. Because I think that's the height of this song. Uh, the comedic highs are so high, right? This song is funny. It's supposed to be funny. The yippee, I think, is fine in it, in all versions. But I think it's especially good in the um, in our original version, if you will. The, the one in the bootleg series. Um the version, that version of when he sings, uh, more more people kept piling in. That ship was uh, slowly going down. Funny way to start a picnic. I think the line, funny way to start a picnic, is very funny. He doesn't use that funny way to start a picnic in any version except for that version. He just says, mm. weird way to start a picnic or what a way to start a picnic. I think the funny way to start it, that's what makes it funny. Maybe that's very like in the weeds. Well, but because I it thought turns the good. observer into like somebody who's just like this happy-go-lucky, unaware of the things that are happening around. Just like, well, I just thought I was going to a picnic, yeah. and then this fact this thing broke out. But they're like not upset by it; they're just right. watching it happen. So if you don't nail that, we're supposed to be humorously commenting on it. Right. It gets dark so fast. It does, right? So like, you need to really make it so that this character is like an idiot observing a tragedy. Totally. <laughs> Otherwise, you're just in the tragedy. Right. I agree. Absolutely. And I think that's why that version does such a good job. Um, I don't think it's the best version of when he goes off for the dogs are barking, cast me out and women screaming, fists are flying. All of that stuff gets changed every single version. And I think that and extended a lot and extended, them, especially yeah. in Brandeis. He goes like nuts. And, you know, it's very much a mimic off of uh, like Woody Woody's uh, style um, and Bound for mm-hmm. Glory. He does this with like his hopping on trains and stuff. He does a lot of this cats are barking, dogs are barking type of stuff. So I think that's such a cool homage to Woody. But I do love the li- the other versions, I think, are just a little bit better. But it's a good version, uh, the the one on the Blue Lake Series Volume 1 through 3. And and not only with that one, but where he does the, um, I just remember waking up on the shore, head busted, stomach cracked, feet. When he starts doing the riffs, again, not the best version on 1 through 3. Um, but he does nail the quite lucky uh, to be alive, though. That is also the other line that's like, that's funny as shit. And only in Brandeis, I think he did that. Brandeis was the one where people laughed, like really laughed at the mm-hmm. line because he did such a good job of riffing to it. But I think the other ones kind of fell flat. It just wasn't as funny as the yippee at the very beginning or, you know, even the funny way to start a picnic or whatever. Th- those ones never really landed, but only the lucky time to be alive hit at Brandeis. And I think that line is hilarious. The sleeper comedy line for me mm. is, and I wonder if it's intentional because it's on the official com. It's not on... Wait, let me double check. Okay. Um, Yes, okay. So the official version is bring the wife and kids, bring the whole family. But on the bootleg version, he says, bring the the wife and family, bring the whole kids. And it's just like... I don't know. I just found it so charmingly funny. He's like... Because he's like fucked up, right? Like he's like, bring bring the wife and family. Oh, shit. I'm supposed to say family again. Bring the whole kids. Bring the whole kids. (laughs) So it's like, if this is the official, unofficial, whatever version, did he intend... Like, did he purposely write that line to be funny or did he actually fuck up and then it just became the... He was like, oh, that's actually pretty funny that I did that. He does his goat fleet laugh after, which makes me feel like it's real. But I don't know if it's real. See, it's hard to tell because like a lot of it, the rest of it doesn't really play like that. It doesn't really have those kind of like fun messing thing. It, the rest of it doesn't really mess right, up anything. Right. Um, so I don't know. It's hard to it's hard to tell. Also, you know, he went through in the '80s and stuff, and he's revised his lyrics at least twice that I know of. So it's like 
Uh, it doesn't really matter about the official version or not. I mean, Bob would later just change lyrics because he wanted to. Uh, you know, again, the screaming. He never said screaming. As far as I remember, he doesn't say screaming in any one of them. But at some point he wrote down, oh, screaming, that's what the lyrics should be. Okay, well, whatever, man. That's in none of your live version. So you do you. Which one is it where he stops the song? It's got to be the Whitmark one, right? Yeah, because he cared about the lyrics. But about the yeah. lyrics, yeah. He's like, no, where you need he to stops say that. and he's like, no, that's not the right word. And I was like, oh yeah, that this is the this is professional, the most professional ever. I was like, who is this person who stopped a song because he's saying the wrong word? I'm not familiar with this man. Not familiar with that character. No. <laughs> uh, and you know, he doesn't really cut those demos anymore. You know, so it's like we're at a very early phase where he's like, I'm a real artist. I can really do this. <laughs> and then it's just like, no, but not, like then he becomes like, oh, I'm a real artist. I don't need to do this. I don't have to do this. I don't have to do this anymore. (laughs) Maybe we just better call off the picnic. No, the word there is, uh, instead of maybe we better call off the picnic, it's a funny way to start a picnic. Another line for me uh, that I really love and and also got a huge laugh in Brandeis because I think of Bob Dylan's delivery was when he said, uh, because see, I just lost all my picnic spirit. That was genuinely hilarious, and everybody laughs. Uh, and then the final line when he says, um, you know, or not the final line, but of that verse, he says, I'm going to stay in my kitchen, have my own picnic in the bathroom. Um, right, kind of yeah. got to laugh sometimes. Sometimes people didn't think about that uh, or didn't re- respond to it appropriately. And I was like, I don't know if it's really that funny. It made me think of um, John Birch, Paranoid Blues, when he says, look behind the sink, behind the chair, looking for the reds everywhere, look down my chimney, and deep down inside my toilet bowl. They got away, mm-hmm. you know, looking for the commies. So... I think, again, we're playing with the humor of, like, what's going on in your house and all of this stuff. Have a picnic in the bathroom. Very funny. But it's all about that delivery, which is all what it's, you know. And, and Bob, I think, is very hit or miss for me on these. But it's kind of cool to have we a lot of different versions. I think you could have made the joke, the bathroom joke, if you had hit it harder about, like, they all the boat sank mm. so if you're just like i because i'm an idiot i think that all picnics must be a boat sinking so i want to go into the bathroom where the water is yeah that's how you have a picnic have it in my tub yeah. or whatever yeah you almost gotta yes. say the tub yeah. right i mean that's really where right, the right, right. would be like get my toy boats out or whatever i'll get to bear mountain mm-hmm. picnic that way something like that you know yeah. um yeah. but you know I, I, what do you do I, and again i i want to just emphasize that i feel like the whole song like a lot of songs that bob dylan has written and will write is all predicated upon specific verses or specific evocative images. And I think that the last verse is pretty much what this entire song is about. And that idea of, of punishing this greed and this avarice, you know, which again, are just kids sort of fucking around. It doesn't really even make sense in terms of the reality of what's going on. But we know this. We, we, we live in this country. We live in this world where people, um, you know, rip people off every day and scam people all the time. And this does have the ring of that. So you get this final verse where you're talking about, we should send them all away. And it's like, it's hard to disagree with that. It's like, yeah, send their asses to Bear Mountain Picnic so they can go through this hell that this guy just went through because they're making the money from it, right? They sold, you know, 6,000 tickets to a thing that only had three, even though that's not any of that. None of that's real, but it's still. I guess now that I've thought about it and I've said it out loud, the goat bleat laughed might be the opposite, right? It might be planned. It does Ooh. seem, you know, so maybe that wasn't a joke. Maybe it was a planned joke. It wasn't an off-the-cuff accidental mix-up because he does he does mm-hmm. the bleat, which I'm like, that's not how that man laughs. If it was a real joke, he would have he would have laughed. He wouldn't have gone. <laughs> when I soon lost track of my kids and wife, so many people I never saw in my life. 
That old ship was going down in the water, 6,000 people trying to kill each other. Dogs are barking, cats are screaming, women are yelling, men are coming, fists are flying, cats are running, dishes overthrowing, me running, cops are coming. Maybe we just better call off the picnic. Does this song work today? And I want you to keep in mind also the other Talking Blues that we've had. Does Is it better than anyone that you remember, if you remember any of them? Uh, again, you have t- you have John Birch. You've got Hard Hard Times in New York, which is kind of a talking blues, but less so. John Birch is really the better one. They're almost identical songs. Uh, and then I Shall Be Free uh, is a little bit more humorous, but it's still talky blues. You know, I'm gonna go catch dinosaurs. You know, make love to Elizabeth Taylor. That kind of stuff. Like we're just having fun. Is this a good talking blues song? Is this a song that you would recommend over the others? And is this good? Does this work in 2022? I certainly do not remember any of the other ones. Yeah. So. Uh, I kind of remember Hard Times in New York Times, but then there's also Talk in New York. Isn't there? Is, there... Well, Talk in New York, yeah, we we did that. We did both, I think. Ooh, we did. We did. But they're two in... different songs, yeah, right? Yeah. There's a Hard Times in and New York. No, talk, and, no talk and Talk in New York is a great example. That's another Talk in Blues. Yeah, we did Talk okay. in New York. It was like, it was only a couple, maybe last year. Do I remember yeah. doing, I don't remember doing Talk in New York, but almost as surely we did. Oh, yeah, it's the same, man. So when I was looking up the chords for the song, so I could try to play it five minutes before we started recording, mm. uh, in in the Dylan Chords guy, what's his name? Say his name, Eyalf, isn't yeah. it something like that? Yeah, yeah, or something. Yeah, Dylan Chords guy, mm-hmm. legend. Uh, he even says it's it's a talking blues format. So do the talking blues structure, do, the, strum- talking pattern, blues do the talking burn structure, and yeah, just like popping into those songs real quick, it, it's exactly the same. So musically, we're n- not, you know, doing anything special or different it's, yeah. he's following the formula of that so while it is fun to listen to it's not breaking any kind of new ground sure. but i still like it yeah. um doesn't work today it's hard we just said earlier in this episode does anyone do talking song, talking blue songs anymore and no is the answer but also maybe yes i think that taking spoken word poetry and putting it to music is still a thing and yeah. that's not too far off from what we're doing, right? Yeah. We're just telling a story over music. You know, I think the talking blues are very specific. I think they are, are supposed to be funny, though. All of them have a humorous element. And I think if it's not a funny song, then is it a talking blues? Did you make a talking blues song? That's what I would say. Yeah. So maybe the closer analogy to what's still occurring in modern music is the comedy album. Yeah. Right? Maybe that's more analogous is like a guy telling a funny story to yeah. music, a la mm. Bob Burnham, Stephen mm. Lynch. There's so many, like... I'm pulling people from the fucking 90s. I'm Bo Burnham still around, but Stephen Lynch, not yes. so much. Um, it, it, musical comedy has been a thing forever. forever. So if we take the Talking Blues as a musical comedy song, yes, it still works today. But is anyone popping this on to bop to? Going to say no. Unless you're, unless you're, yeah, a Bob Dylan head. I think that's true. I, I think that even like inside of how do you find this? Uh, it's like on the bootleg series, which I think is, uh, you know, pretty famous. It's famous in just music circles, but it does take people with like musical knowledge that will find their way to this. But, you know, if it's your random guy off the street, you're getting like a Rolling Stone, you're getting blown in the wind. Like you're getting the big, the heavy hitters. Um, I mean, for me, although hilariously, just so you know, talking New York was episode 139. It was seven episodes ago that we did this. (laughs) Just so you know, and I know, and we're all on the same page here. I fucking forgot. (laughs) 
I, I, I remember uh, now it's coming back to me, like what we talked about, but like, fucking hey, really? Oh, uh, I just need to revel in the moment for a second that I remembered we did an episode that you had incredible, forgotten. Incredible. So I, do I remember the content or the song? Absolutely not. But the point is, I remembered that we did it. Yes. God, well, it was a snowstorm. We talked about like the snowstorm. We talked about the weather because it was that famous snowstorm in the 1960s, the JFK snowstorm in 1960, 1961 sure. when he was inaugurated. It shut down the city. So I remember talking about the oh, snow. Oh, oh, right. Yeah. Right. Yes. Yes. Because then he had that. a job that he said in there where I'm shoveling snow 20 hours a day or whatever. Right. And it's like, did he? But he yes. did. Yeah. See, it's all coming back. It's all coming back. This song, um, I think it's really funny. I, I like that you brought up the comedy elements, you know, the Bo Burnhams or whoever's of the world. That's really, I think, a, a good a good take. And I think that Bob Dylan is like really funny. I think that that's, that's been something that's been more of a talking point among people in the last, you know, decade or so. It's like really like reminding people just how fucking funny he is. And it's not just the talking blues. He's just funny. And he's funny in general. He's a funny dude. Um, even his press conferences where he puts on these like art shows, they're, they're hilarious. You know, we can look at the way he talks to people, the way that he doesn't respond to people's questions is genuinely funny. And this is like such an early version of that. So I think like as a as a new fan getting into it, I was super charmed by it. I mean, when you're listening to this, there's a great song that I can't wait to do called House Carpenter um, that preceded this. So listening to that, very serious, very beautiful song. And then after that, you get this fun talking blues song. This is on the Bootleg Series Volume 1 through 3 when I first listened on CD. And so I'm just like listening through as a new Bob Dylan fan. And I remember hearing this and being so enthused. I really liked this. I thought it was so funny. And then after this, you go back down to a song called Let Me Die in My Footsteps. So you're talking Mm -hmm. high, serious, and then like this very goofy fucking song. And then back to serious. And that really like colors you as a young fan where you're like, okay, we're... but this song's kind of serious, right? We're talking about like people dying, like, but we're yeah. we're sort of making different lights of it, and yeah, I don't know. And, but even the "Let Me Die in My Footsteps" and we're talking about people dying at sea. I mean, it almost feels weird to put the two back to back. Like, what does that even mean? Although, blah blah blah, it's alright. Mm-hmm. But um, I will say that like I don't think people are really gonna listen to it much. I don't really visit any talking blues outside of historical content. Although I will say that like the last verse to me still slaps. I think it still resonates. I think like the whole point of the song is very succinct and when i was looking up the history of bear mountain beyond the interesting facts and i'm going to share a couple facts about bear mountain so strap in fun fact time people also call bear mountain bread tray mountain unknown unclear um the mountain passes over one of the oldest parts of the appalachian trail and in the year 2000 or 2005 they paved i don't know what the right word for this they like laid stone down for about a thousand feet um so to like keep the soil there so that people would have this like so it's like one of the only paved sections of the trail because so many people walk this not only coming from new york but also like passer throughs that it's like one of those areas of the trail that always has to be repaired Uh, a young fdr you know fdr he developed polio two weeks after camping uh, at the at the lake lake hessian uh, that's just a little bit outside of Bear Mountain um, when he was uh, at his, with the Boy Scouts with his troop in 1921. So he probably contracted polio outside of Bear Mountain. Um, and it also was almost the site of the 1932 Winter Olympics. But the one fact that I found the most interesting in regards to the final verse is that in the early 1900s, they were going to move Sing Sing Prison to the top of Bear Mountain instead of keeping it where it is, right outside of the city. And there was a conservation effort, basically, to not put a prison on top of a mountain and to preserve the wilderness. But 
I like this idea of this prison that's sitting up in the top of Bear Mountain. And we put our most awful vile people in there. <laughs> I'm not a huge fan of prisons and all of that, but what he's getting at is some like divine justice and the bad people of the world. And uh, I, I like that. So we'll leave it there. Sing Sing Prison, imagining it on top of Bear Mountain. There you go. Well, it don't seem to me quite so funny what some of these people are going to do for money. There's a brand new gimmick every day just to take somebody's money away. Think we ought to take all these people, put them on a boat, send them up to Bear Mountain for a picnic. Did you know that we are a real podcast and we are real people? We are alive. Occasionally. We are not in the Matrix, as far as I know, and um, we do stuff in real life. Some of us work jobs, some of us don't, and some of us tweet, and others of us don't tweet. And Well, none of us tweet, really. Um, oh also, what is Twitter now? I mean, after Elon Musk buys it, so we'll, um, it's to be seen what's going to happen with Twitter. Uh, Kelly, you haven't actually downloaded the app probably in like four years, so you have no clue no. what Twitter even is anymore. But it, I'll tell you no. what, it's a specific hellscape. Um, we're, we're podcasting a couple days after he officially took it over, so it's uh, it's rough. <laughs> Anyways, you can follow us at SOTWPod on that hell site Twitter, the hell site Instagram. If it still exists. If it's still there, if we're still on it. Well, you know, we are, if we're still, are we still? I mean, it's intermittent, baby. Uh, we sometimes post, we sometimes don't. We're also on patreon.com slash SOTWPod. If you want to give us a dollar, you can sign up at our Substack, as we said before. We're out there in the world. We yeah, appreciate we you. We love it. Yeah. We'd rather just, we're doing it for the love of the game more than anything else. Kelly, you know what is also something we do? We make a playlist every single episode that you can access in our show notes. You can access them at SOTWPod.com, which is our website. Um, and uh, we keep a, a weekly one that always uh, updates every time we're about to do a new episode with wherever we are in real time called See That My Playlist Is Kept Clean. So definitely uh, go ahead and like that one because that one changes pretty pretty drastically from episode to episode. Uh, this, this playlist in particular was pretty good. Obviously, we sat on this for a long time. Um, hey, I'm going to say this. not our best. Oh, my not our fault. best. 100% my fault. Not our best. Well, We've done some some excellent ones. We, well, I would say yours were insane, and I do need- I know. I need, I need some explanations <laughs> on a few of them, and also okay. I, there Great. are two Great. that I could have did check in our database of all of the songs, and they are repeats, and I kept them in anyway, because <gasps> they're better. They, two they, of mine? No, two of mine. Oh, I was like- no, no, no. I only put on the, no. just a bare few. You put on random shit. How could yeah, you so I was like, random How could that shit? possibly? Yeah, this was like, maybe I wrestled a bear once, but like, no. No, I, why would you? You're you're like on a metal kick. You you would never put metal like that even on before, <laughs> ever before. Uh, all right, so let's let's just, let's cut to the chase here. Welcome back to the playlist for the fifth time. The great John Prine. The Bottomless Lake. Smoke them if you got them. I do enjoy that song a lot. It's cute. Uh, great record from uh, from John. They're all great records. Uh, the Minutemen. This is a this is a repeat. So th- we've played them three times. Technically four, mm-hmm. but th- this this ain't no picnic. The great. This ain't no picnic. Uh, we played this on eight talking, because of course oh, this ain't no picnic. Ain't. But you know the yeah. picnic. That's what's important here. So I w- I kept it because you need a picnic. Uh, Laura Nairo, Stone Soul Picnic. She's great. That was amazing. Yeah, I, I when I was listening to it, I was like, "Is this a new song yeah, with someone see, trying cool. to sound like an old song, or is it legit an old song?" Turns out, legit an old song. 
And if you go to her page, I was like, holy shit, does anybody know about this lady? Discovered on, if you scroll down to the mm. discovered on part of Spotify, she was discovered on the Essential Folk playlist. Mm. And guess who's on the cover of the Essential Folk I'm playlist? Guess Bob Dylan. It's motherfucking Bob Dylan. It's always Bob Dylan. I'm sure he's on there <laughs> half the time. Uh, easily yeah there's like four or five you know what they did i just like briefly scrolled through it and i was like this is fucking stupid they have mr tambourine man Mm. by bob dylan another song and then mr tambourine (laughs) man by the birds i was like what are you doing algorithms at that point fail what fail for words yeah you need a human being to at least try to do something this is what we're doing you and me like i said we're not in the matrix these are two real people making a real attempt at a playlist curating an experience for you so Laura Nairo, mm. she's part of our experience. You know who else is a part of our experience and has been a part of our experience before? The Descendants. I want to be a bear. Oh, yeah. um, they were also on episode 23. I will say it's a long time ago. Episode 23. Same song? No, well, the same song was in episode oh. 23. Damn. You'll remember episode 23. This is Man Gave Names to All the Animals. You remember doing that one all the way back uh, then? Oof. Yes. Still, I think yes. the only slow train coming. God damn, that's wild. Um, and then finally, for the last time, welcome back to the Carter family, Bear Creek Blues. You can't go wrong with the Carter family. Excellent stuff. Welcome to the playlist for the very first time. Henry Hill and the BBC Orchestra, Teddy Bear's Picnic. You threatened it and you pulled the trigger. Here it is. <laughs> yes, I, did. I loved it. It was fucking awesome. It was always a high. I put it number two because I was like. So creepy. My original number two is a personal, like genuinely personal, one of my favorite songs of all time. Uh, Nina Natasha's uh, our, our Day Trip. Mm. He used to be a, a a record reviewer for the uh, for the record store Relative Theory in Norfolk, Virginia, that was only around for like two years, and it was on the t- on Monticello Street. It was on the top floor. It was such a fucking cool building, and they wanted to like build their own library of like record reviews, you know. So they were selling records. They were pretty early on the online game. You could buy them even like back in two thousand six and two thousand seven. And they just you could buy records on the internet through they, their store. Through their store, yeah. So like they Got wanted it. they they offered they offered not only me a free record. They gave, I mean I own the Nina Natasia record. They that was one of the ones I reviewed. I reviewed Bright Eyes. I mean I did a few a few random records, and they just want Wait, you to listen to. You it. wrote reviews for them, just short ones. They just wanted like basically oh. a blurb. So they, here's a free oh. record. Go write a review about it. So they just, there was like oh. a string of us. There was probably like 20 people. And we would just all meet up or come in. And we were just assigned random albums. So I just randomly got the bright, it was like a Bright Eyes B, B-roll or, no, I think it was a live. Like live and, and uh, B-sides. And that was uh, that was the first one I got. I was like, oh, this is weird. I don't know shit about Bright Eyes. And that's kind of one of the reasons I started listening to Bright Eyes was because they turned me on to that. But anyways, Nina Natasha, love her. And she disappeared. She just released a new record this year. So uh, shout out. That's going to be a recommendation of mine. I didn't put it down, but go listen to her. But her last record was 2006. I mean, that last record was the last one uh, that, that features our That you reviewed randomly at a record store. So it's my fault. Uh, but I will say, I, wow. I I love this song. I love our day trip. It's like the perfect one minute long song. It's so short. It's so beautiful. Um, and her voice is just oh, astounding. Anyways, Nina Natasha, welcome to the, the playlist world. I love you. Um, I wrestled a bear once. Ulrich, Fire Lord, Breaker of Mountains. The song fucking rocks my ass off. <laughs> I love excellent. it. I've never, I've never heard of a wrestle a bear once. Um, very reminiscent of a lot of shit I've listened to in my life. But I wonder. You've never what heard of connect- them? No, I've never heard of them. Never. Don't know what connection I've got. They do have um, too much electronica. I think I would have been turned off by that. Uh, they're probably a newer band, so I probably was not. They weren't part of my life when I was a kid. There was a band called Horse the Band that did so much electronic stuff back in the day. Kind of reminds me of this, but they were almost doing it silly. silly. 
but it was like but it was kind of cool at the same time like silly but very cool but they were like ahead of their time but like to me this sound is very 2011 2012 i was mm. already pretty much out of the genre by that point but this song fucking rocks so they went went through a couple of singers the first one is who i want to find band members uh, yeah, Krista Cameron. Yeah. So on this album, I think it w- would have been her. But the singer they had before they broke up was Courtney LaPlante. And she is now known for being the lead singer of Spirit Box, which is having a moment okay. for sure. Okay. So um, Courtney LaPlante. If Russell Bear wants, I'm sure a lot of people that are into the hardcore. metalcore, deathcore, post-hardcore scene know who they are. Well, everybody get yeah. ready because I, I have purposefully not put anything like this on the on the playlist just for Kelly. I thought that this was like <laughs> experimental or just hard bop. I don't even need to say experimental free jazz. Just hard bop. She's not a hard bopper. She is, <laughs> yeah. she, that's too hard I mean, for not, her. So I was like, oh. I, I did like this song, but there are moments that I don't enjoy okay, for no, sure. Fair enough. Well, we've opened the doors now, so we're going to have some fucking like, darkest hour and some like shit. We're going to go crazy. Yes. Um, but anyways, that yes. was fucking dope. Shout out to her. Uh, I'd never heard of Spirit Box, so you are now the resident expert in terms of your metal <laughs> compendium. Who I am, I'm a fan of that. I don't know if that's a public playlist, but I will shout that out <laughs> it in is, the yeah, show notes. Okay, for sure. follow the metal compendium. We will do that uh, at some point. <laughs> uh, the great Kevin Morby, he is a boyfriend of the great um, uh, Waxahachie. Um, oh right, yeah. I, I, I have been to the mountain. What a beautiful song. What a beautiful record. He is such a great artist. He came out with a record last uh, this year. Actually, just a couple of. A couple of months ago, absolutely fantastic. So I'm, I'm shocked that it's the first time for him, actually. So he's very Dylan-esque. I mean, I would say he's one of those people that is like the closest amalgam in this world today to a Bob Dylan type, you know, doing cool experience. Mm-hmm. Daniel Romano is another one who, who did the plugs thing. Right, yeah, yeah. He's, he also reminds me so much every time I listen to him. Like, he's got that, the experimental chops and the musical, like, uh, bravery, if you will, to like kind of do weird, cool things um, the same way Bob Dylan did. So anyways, Kevin Morby, if you're a fan, speaking of awesome bands and awesome everything, Tenacious D, Kickapoo. Uh, it's always <laughs> First good. Time. It's always good to hear Jack Black. <laughs> I know. Yeah, I, I struggled with which song to put on there. Well, because, okay, the brief you gave me, just yeah. so everyone knows, so this doesn't seem like it's out of fucking nowhere. You're like, it pick is, funny I'm, songs. Funny so song. again, my brain is perpetually stuck in the late 90s, early 2000s. So my first thought was Stephen Lynch because he oh, was like my sure. favorite singer. And I was like, Bo Burnham and Stephen Lynch, those are the ones I think of. And then I was like- Oh, that's why Bo Burnham's uh, on here. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But then Tenacious D, I was like, oh my God, musical comedy, fucking Tenacious D, which made me- da- like, I just rewatched their HBO show, which was so short. Did you know Bob Odenkirk mm-hmm. and David Cross- is that his name? David, David Cross, yeah. That's his name, right? Yeah, yeah. They like It was basically Mr. Show Part 2. Part 2 with that. Like, with, with Tenacious D instead. So they, awesome. they were executive producers and co-writers really? on most of the stuff. Cool, cool. Yeah, so, um, yeah, it's only three episodes. They're half an hour long. So I was like, got back and watched that again. It's so great. I was like, man, they are so fucking oh, it, great. They were like, so big, Jack Black's too. voice, their, so their guitar outlet. So I'm going to watch Pick a Destiny again. Anyway, so I struggled with which song to pick because I wanted to put on the metal, obviously, because I'm in this fucking metal phase. You are. Uh, <laughs> but I was like, Kickapoo is the song that sets up the movie, yeah. and it's a story. And this song is a story, a story. so I was like, we're doing Kickapoo. Plus fucking Dio and Meatloaf are on the track. Come on. <laughs> no, and actually, as it was going on, I'm like, this actually really works. And I thought you just did it because it had a narrative structure. And it's funny because they're funny. But yeah. it is funny. I mean, thought. that's really what it was. Yeah, I, I love it. I love it. Uh, which, again, it was- You prob- almost got Stephen Lynch's problematic superhero, so you're welcome <laughs> I don't even, for Tenacious D instead. That would have been a blast from the past. I mean, I haven't thought about Stephen Lynch in a fucking long time. Uh, Julie Goldman, I assume that's why Commitment Ceremony is on there as well. Funny song. Yes. 
Julie Goldman, who I've talked about ad nauseum, she's like a lesbian stand-up comic near and dear to my heart that I've followed for, God, like 20 years at this point. Uh, they're, her podcast, uh, Dumb Gay Politics, and their Patreon podcast. Go see I season three where that was the time. recommendation every single week. Every episode, every yeah. Episode. Anyway, so she she's also did musical comedy. She has a, an album with her band, uh, Shakespeare something. God. I don't remember what it's called. Oh, no, it's Indigo Etheridge, right? Because mm, it was so <laughs> Indigo Girls and Melissa Etheridge because she's a lesbian doing music because she's funny. Anyway, yeah, Commitment Ceremony. I loved that song because it was before the gays could get mm-hmm. married and yeah. she makes some great points. And then when she says, uh, I may be uh, gay or whatever, but my money is green, motherfucker. And I'm just like, you're goddamn right. Goddamn right. <laughs> and then the FSU marching chiefs, very strange. Oh, yeah. Massacre, I assume that's what your massacre. Musical cheer yeah. and field yeah. exit music. Yeah. That's we... got to be the, maybe the weirdest pick of any song I've ever put on the playlist. And again, this is if you want to know why the playlist is not our A tier, it's uh, it's this. There's no way to put it. I put Massacre that. and I saw FSU How? and I was like, basic. How do I put it in to flow from one song it to another? It goes nowhere. It goes nowhere. It's just it's random. So I think I put it right before like the Brandeis version. I was like, ah, whatever. Who cares? <laughs> Fuck it. What are we gonna do? Uh, Bo Burnham. Now it makes total sense. Bezos won, of yes. course. Nice and short and sweet. Um, um, uh, this might be one of the best one minutes of mm. music ever. I agree. <laughs> so I absolutely good. agree. When it came on, I couldn't help but just like sing. Just the right. word. It's fucking great. Uh, to bring Fuck it- their wives, <laughs> drink their blood. It's just like, come on, Jeff, go on. I mean, the, the solo is amazing. Uh, anyways, and then we bring it down a bit uh, to the McGuire sisters. Go back uh, 70 years from mm. Bezos 1 to uh, a quaint little picnic. <laughs> little did they know the hellscape that that, that was coming uh, two generations Don't get on. on the boat. Don't get on, or the big ship. Don't get on the big ship. Brian Eno, the big ship from another green world. Uh, great, great record. He is definitely like- Is that the first time he's been on a playlist? You know, first time, yeah. Uh, or um, oh shit yeah um, tough I, I could have sworn he was but I I don't more than likely he wasn't I mean there's also Roxy Music right so he was in that for a short time I don't know they might mm. be on there but uh, yeah Eno is one of those like you go through the 70s and I've listened now to like four or five Eno records and they're really good I just thought he was like purely Dude. music for airports I thought he was just so purely um, ambient music which like okay I want to be into that music for, I've listened to music for airports it's really cool um, but you need like a primer you know for me I need like a, a handheld but not for these early records like after Roxy Music when he left like Another Green World is just like a great pop record the song's a great beautiful song he's got that ethereal the, the etherealness but like the he has the real songs like they're just pop songs he's just a great he, he's great anyways he just released another record too I haven't listened to it yet but I do like, yeah, I, do I like, you know, I love that track. Yeah, I literally favorited it. I was like, God damn, this every so a lot of stuff's hit or miss because, like, even as somebody who really enjoys ambient music, things can drone on or just like don't feel sonically good to me. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I the ones that hit for me, like, God damn, this guy definitely strikes a well, chord. Well, he's he sort of it. set the template. I mean, everybody, I read a great um article from Pitchfork about uh music royalties for for um ambient music because it's blowing up and like just getting on a playlist could be something where you're making almost no money, you know, except for your diehard fans. Right. Oh, yeah. And then you ought yeah. somehow make it onto a playlist with people who have nothing to do with you in any world. And now you've got like f- 150 million listens on some random ass song. And people, some people struggle with that where they're like, you know, I, I have nothing to do with this 
random playlist i just happen to have like strings involved with it and it's just an instrumental track Mm -hmm. but somehow it was picked somehow the gods at spotify uh came down and plucked my song out and now i'm making more money than i've ever made in my life and they're like i know it could just go away tomorrow they take me off the playlist i'm done but anyways Eno was like you know he sort of he was mentioned over and over again in there because they all go by his ethos which is like ambient music needs to be interesting if you are listening to it if you are actually paying attention it needs to be good but it also needs to be something that is not going to distract you when you don't want to listen so the music for airports that was his entire mission statement like i want you to listen to this and have it to be beautiful if you pay attention but to not be distracted you will enjoy it and in the background on a normal listen as well it's hard to do both and that's really what the toe you're you're trying to you know the, the fence you're trying to walk there. And I'm like, okay, that's pretty interesting. It's a delicate balance to strike, man, and he's he's fucking right. He is, yeah. Uh, so anyways, that's our playlist. It wasn't our best effort, um, but if you like marching bands, you can go <laughs> listen to FSU, apparently. <laughs> fucking psychotic. I like I hate myself for putting that on there, but also I'm like, you know what? You're welcome. You're fucking welcome. We have all music is welcome on our playlist. Kelly, we were also people in the world for the last, oh, I don't know, six weeks or so. A lot of crazy stuff has happened in our lives. Full six weeks, no big deal. It's insane. Uh, What have you been doing for the last six weeks? Take me through week one, week two, week three, um, every single week, and what's up? Oh, sure. (laughs) Play by play, day after day. Uh, My wife and I went on our honeymoon finally, a year plus after we got married. We went to Whidbey Island and Bellingham uh, and, you know, stayed in a couple of Airbnbs and just like, Relaxed and did nothing. It was awesome. It was like the least stressful trip I've ever taken in my entire life. It was perfect. And you went on a ferry uh, and you didn't you didn't sink. And that's what's important. Went on a ferry, didn't sink with my car and everything. It was very exciting. Yeah. Um, we've been watching a lot of horror movies. Tis the season. We watched uh, Jordan Peele's Candyman finally, which came out oh, last year. Yeah. It was good. Uh, also, we watched Jordan Peele's Nope, which came out this year. Right. Also nope, good. Yeah. I did not know it was a movie about fucking aliens. Mm. Who knew? I Excellent. Didn't, I, didn't. I mean, spoiler, but not spoiler, because you find out it's an alien basically immediately. But yeah. Um, also, all the Jeepers Creepers movies. Oh Terrible, God. except for number two. Number two is the highlight, and even that is not good. Uh, we watched Do Revenge, which was fun. Uh, My Best Friend's Exorcism. Okay. Halloween Kills, which is the oh, second yeah. of the reboot. We watched the last last we watched last the year. Halloween last year. Uh, so Halloween Kills, and then Halloween Ends just came out, which we haven't watched that one yet. You I also watched, watched OG that. Halloween. No. Okay. Uh, I've not watched it yet. I rewatched OG Halloween 1, 2, and 3. They are not great. 3 might be the best one. Michael Myers not even in it. It's a weird sci-fi movie. It's almost not a Halloween movie. What the fuck? Watch Hocus Pocus 2. We didn't need to do it. Uh, watched House of Wax. Better than I thought it would be. Watched The Frighteners with Michael J. Fox from the early 90s. What a great fucking movie, The Frighteners. If you have not watched it, go watch it. Satanic Panic, not good. Uh, it has Rebecca, Rebecca Romaine in it. Could have been good. Wasn't that good. And Werewolves Within, which was an IFC movie that has the dude from Veep, which is not fair. Richard, the press guy with the glasses. Yep. yep. He's so funny and yep. everything he's in. Um, he was like the main character. That was worth watching, Werewolves Within. Anyway. TV, House of the Dragon, sorry, basic, can't get away from it, had to watch it, said, no, everybody agreed we weren't going to watch it, and then we all fucking watched it. I haven't watched it. And it was good. You should watch it. Um, Doom Patrol, watched first season of that, pretty good. It was maybe three episodes too long, because some of them are really real stinkers, but overall pretty good. And Degrassi, still watching Degrassi, I have been fully 100% betrayed by season four. I am furious. We wrote Terry off, off screen, between seasons, wrote her off, and brought back fucking Rick, that Anne Hathaway looking mother, brought him back instead of Terry, but he got his. 
Not before hurting Jimmy. I always thought Jimmy died in some gang thing, or not died, but got paralyzed in a no. gang thing. I don't know why I thought that. Like, mm. I thought I'd heard that at some point. It was like, not that he was in a gang, but like some fucking thing happened and he was just like an innocent bystander. Right. Why did we let Rick back into the school? I'm so mad. And they changed the theme song for the worst. I'm pretty sure they let the woman who plays Ashley do, do the theme song. song. No, no. I hate it. This is not my show anymore. The theme song's terrible. It got rid of Terry. Fucking Rick. Everything's awful. Jimmy got shot. I hate everything. And you will continue <laughs> so watching depressing. for the next 12 seasons, for sure. Yeah, of course. <laughs> anyway, sorry I had to yell about it, but I'm so hey, mad. this is what people felt back in 2002. So two or whatever yeah, you are. I mean, th- I th- thought the same stuff, man. Shit. Shit gets wild, mm-hmm. man. It's crazy. I'm glad you've been to grassy pilled. You were just like, you're in it. I'm sure it's just getting a fucking kick out of it. I mean, I was shit. It's hilarious. <laughs> It's like, man. It's not fair. It, it meant so much uh, back in the day. It meant so much to us as kids. And I'm glad it hits you even yeah. as an adult. You're like, yeah, I'm fully invested Furious. here. Furious. Yeah. Justice for Terry. Okay. It really Justice is. Justice for it's Terry. It's a damn shame. It's a damn shame. Okay. So my my 23 metal playlists got distilled down into my metal compendium playlist. This These are the songs that passed muster with me that are worth listening to, like, again, but also to diving into the bands. So I went through the 245 songs on my compendium, right? It's like 20-something hours of music. Not too much, considering you're a guy who makes the hundreds, hundreds of hours long playlists. I distilled those down yes. into the goats. 136 made the cut. This is crazy. Lots. Lots of goats. My next goal is to take the top three albums per Rate Your Music from each of those 136 bands. Yeah. So I can have listened to those bands. So far, the only band I have done that with is a Monomarth. <laughs> I'm going to go alphabetically, but I've, I've oh already missed gosh. a couple. I, well, Converge is also next. like, uh, And then I'm going to go back into the alphabet. I mean, but Converge yeah. is I picked a Monomarth. I know. I know. And I listened to their Song Exploder episode from like a million mm, years ago. Oh, no way. Um, it was good. So... A Monomarth was based on a recommend- recommendation from my one of my vocal coaches, because yes, I have two, and no, I'm not a professional vocalist, Crazy. and yes, it is a lot of money to waste on something that means nothing and will amount to about the same. But here we are, because God damn it, I want to le- enter the Deathcore Vocalist Olympics, and I'm never going to get there without a trainer, okay? <laughs> I'm never going to get there. <laughs> so... Anyway, Amon Amar is pretty good. I mean, it's Viking shit. It's melodic death metal, right. uh, which is a hit or miss for me. But I, I prefer melodic death metal over just like Regzy death metal because I don't give a shit about how proggy and mathy your guitar can get. I just don't care. I yeah. don't care that you can play faster than any human alive. It doesn't sound good. I don't care. Okay. So yep. there's a way that people can play that and it sounds good. Anyway, so yeah, Amon Amar, they're, they're, they're Viking shit. So. Yeah, that's cool. Um, I also... When I was supposed to be working, watched Nick Nocturnal. If you're not familiar, he's a YouTube personality, but he's also oh, oh, yeah. a really great guitarist. He has a couple of bands, um, the biggest one being a band I can't remember the name of, so it doesn't matter. Uh, but he's like a, a YouTube guitar guy, but music guy. He also is like now more famous for being a reaction channel because he watches music videos of other bands. Because that's how everybody does YouTube now. Anyway, he hosted the very first Heavy Music Awards Mm. on Twitch. It was rough, but he he got 50,000 people to vote on the band. So it was like a direct vote from the fans. So that was pretty cool. Um, And it was was fun to watch. And it got me to the the albums of the year, in case anybody was was wondering, per the Nick Nocturnal Heavy Music Awards. (sighs) Sure. Uh, We've got the... Death of hang on, so let me pop this open. The Death of Peace of Mind by Bad Omens was number five. Nope. Uh Jackpot Juicer by Dance Gavin Gat. Oh, dance, I, dance Gavin Dance. I know Dance uh, Ga- what, number sorry, four. what is it? Dance 
Gavin Dance? Dance Gavin Dance is the band, and the, the album's called Jack. Yeah, no, Juicer. I know. I remember them. They're from back in the day. Some of them must have reformed. Okay. Still making music. We're still making music. Uh, Electric Callboy, Techno, uh, Spirit Box, doesn't really count because it's an EP, but he let it in there anyway. Rotoscope, it's only three songs. And then number one album of the year was Lorna Shore's Curse to Die, which just came out two weeks ago. So Lorna Shore. Two weeks ago. Uh, album of the yeah. year? What are we doing? I know. I mean, well, we had the awards in fucking October, the, so is it the album like, of the year? Who knows? This is like the fucking Academy Awards, where you get that the movies come out two weeks before, and they're already Best Picture right. or whatever. Boo. Oh, yeah. I mean, the timing is not a coincidence, because Honestly, him and Will Ramos from, from Lorna Shore are definitely tight. Also, Will Ramos is the most charismatic, the most number one fan whatever person in Deathcore, period, at mm-hmm. the moment. Um, and I, he is absolutely the vocal like pinnacle of the person that I want to try to get to. Now I did f- actually listen to the pain remains, which was the, the album that came out two weeks ago. And there's much of a sameness going on. It's pretty formulaic. We've got a four minute song, two minutes in, we're going to do a breakdown. We might do another breakdown at the end of the song. I will say curse to die, uh, which is the first song I ever heard of theirs. And I love the video cause it's like lots of bright colors. It's very cool. Um, is probably my favorite on it, but the pain remains sweet. There's pain remains one, two and three at the end of the album is, is worth listening to. It's a nice, like, overarching piece it's, sure. it's really good um so is this the best album i've ever heard some you know it gets a little repetitive it's just like it's blast beats for an hour it's an hour long album so it's just blast beats for an hour it's awesome and i just like there's not enough dynamics for it to be super engaging but you cannot deny austin archie who's the drummer like the fact he's playing those those are not programmed drums that man is playing yeah. those like i don't understand and and will ramos voice is just like Unhuman. I don't understand how he does what he does, but I'm I'm trying to learn. God damn yeah, it! No, I'm paying no, money no, to no, learn, no. so we'll see. Incredible. Uh, so yeah, Curse to Die is probably my favorite track, but The Pain Remains, Little Sweet, is definitely worth listening to. So that's that's all the music stuff. I'm I'm still going. I'm still going. Um, yeah, my recommendations. I'll keep them short. I mean, I really just a lot of albums. Um, the Beths came out with a new record. I love The Beths. Expert in a Dying Field, absolutely wonderful. Mars Volta. Out of nowhere, I didn't really realize that no they shit. like reformed and that they were a new band. Released a new record, completely different from everything that came before it. It is so chill. There is hardly any guitar on it. It's very weird that it's oh. a Mars Volta record. Um, I'm sure a lot of people will probably just see it as a cash grab or whatever. But I think it's really cool, you know, that Cedric and um, and Omar can like still collaborate and they're still together. And they're still making music and they're going on tour and it's like cool. I want to see some old Mars Volta songs with. The new stuff, which is just very, it's not really even weird. They're just great pop songs. They really are just like very beautiful, very like synth heavy, and it's it's cool. Not bad. You want to know who else had a fucking great record? And I can't remember the last time. Probably since two thousand five, Death Cab for Cutie, um, Asphalt oh, no Meadows. <laughs> you got to listen to it. Honestly, I would highly recommend. It. It's huh. so okay. Good. I mean, I can't. Ben, how, where did this come from, Ben? Um, it's really, 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 really good. So I highly recommend mm. that. Another band I absolutely okay. fucking adore, The Wonder Years. Uh, the album's called The Hum Goes On Forever. They can do no wrong. It's 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 beautiful. Um, it's great pop punk if you want a great pop punk record. But it kind of transcends indie rock and all that kind of stuff. So very grown up. It's It's been cool to grow up with them. They're about the same age as me. So it's like as they're singing about stuff, I feel very connected to it. Uh, Santa Gold came back after like eight years with spirituals. Yeah, I saw that. Good stuff. You know, again, it's one of those I wish I had time to, like, go back and re-listen to everything. But, um, you know, I'm like, okay, Santa Gold. We've had a couple on the playlist a couple times. I'm like, okay, well, it's not like you forget. But 
but yeah, it was it was. You do, neat. you do, man. You do. It's just like you it's just hard do. to keep track of all that shit. Impossible, impossible. Uh, another great band that I love, Titus Andronicus, The Will to Live, uh, just came out. It's almost like a bar band now. They're like hanging out, just making fucking like seventies rock. It was, it's really cool to hear that from them. So um, another like just kind of a working band, and I respect them. And uh, live show live, they're they're fucking amazing. Uh, Meet me at the altar. Um, this is a punk band that's blowing up. These are three people of color, three women, three girls. They're only like I saw you listen to that earlier. Twenty years old, and yeah, no, I yeah, I um, there was a New York Times did a Hanif Abdul Rakib, who was my favorite, my number one person last year, my favorite writer at this moment. Um, he wrote a cover story, not a cover story, but a New York Times magazine article on them, and I kept it for so long because I was like, I don't know who this is, but the tagline was like are these three women going to save punk pop punk or whatever? Um, Mm. And I was like, that's intriguing. And then I just put it away for over a year and I just came around to it. I was like, okay, well I'm going to listen to them while I read it, you know, because I am on the quest to read everything that Hanif has written completely. And holy fuck. Holy fuck, they're so good. They sound like fucking Paramore, but like with a harder Yeah, edge. I popped in and I was like, oh shit, Haley, watch out. They're coming for you, buddy. And I just went through every <laughs> single of their EPs. I love bands that start out like that too, making like EP after EP. Whew, they got like 25 songs and they're all really good. They're all really good. So uh, huge. Meet me at at sign the altar. Model Citizen EP just came out this um, couple weeks, month ago, two months ago. Um, so definitely do that. Well, remind me of this in like six months once I've gone I through know. all of my. Uh... <laughs> you got to make a next Million for albums. you. You're a pop punk compendium, so you need to do that. Yeah. Uh, uh, Corey Brannon, we've seen him live. Um, you have mm-hmm. a poster with him on it. Uh, when I go, I ghost is his new album. Holy shit! Once again, this guy really transcends this like weird like country phase that he kind of somewhat dips into i don't i don't even know how to describe him he's such a great storyteller though and and the songs on there especially when i go i ghost it's such a cool song and what a cool like turn of phrase um and it's just like an evocative album cover of just like a car and it's like driving or whatever i don't even know it's great um another band that i love speaking of like we talked about kevin morby earlier talk about katie crutchfield and waxahatchee she is now part of a band with jess williamson called planes uh, i walked with you a ways is the name of the album everybody who is an i'm not one of them but everybody who's a 90s country fan which is now like a whole um alter in and of itself is uh everybody loves this record because it's just 30 minutes upbeat beautiful songs anything that katie crutchfield does I am a sucker for. And even Jess Williamson, I never heard of her before. She has such a beautiful voice. And the two of them, butter. They just like go together. You can't tell the two apart. It sounds like four people when they sing together. It's so beautiful. So uh, that's Planes I Walked With You Aways. Totally, absolutely recommend mm. it. Anything that Waxahachie does is perfect. The Yeah, Yeah, Yes. Brand new Yeah, Yeah, Yes. Cool It Down. Yeah, so first album, what, in um, eight years? Oh, yeah, shit, I didn't know that. The times. Cool It Down. Um, there's know, a, what are we a, doing? A, a book last year called Meet Me in the Bathroom that talked about the 2000s New York Shit, scene man. and the AAS were a big part of that. And uh, the movie's coming out, actually. So apparently that's getting a lot of rave reviews, too. So I'm excited to have like a documentary image of of the of that era, because even reading um, the book, Lizzie, Lizzie. Yeah. Uh, uh, Goodman's book, uh, Meet Me in the Bathroom, was really revelatory. It was really wonderful because the strokes were so big. Yeah, 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 were so big when I was a kid. You know, but I just had no context for where they came from. And it was just really cool that, you know, these people are a little bit older than us. You know, they're in their 40s now. So mm-hmm. it's just that one generation before where it's like, I don't really know what was going on. So you read about like 2000 and like 99 New York. And it's like, I don't. Yeah. I was just a kid. I don't know what's going on. But like, you know, 
it, it was a, a different world. And then another great, um, you know, country artist, uh, Tyler Childers, who um, the first record was produced by Sergio Simpson. Uh, can Can I Take My Hounds to Heaven? Um, it's a really weird record. It is the same record three times over. The first mix is called Hallelujah. The second mix is called Jubilee. And the third one is called Joyful Noise. And the first record you listen to, and it's beautiful. It's like you got like big organs, big sing-alongs. He's taken a couple songs from his last record, a couple of covers as well. So it's like, here's 10 songs. Great. We love it. The organs booming. We're having fun. The Jubilee version kind of strips the organ down. There's some more acoustic stuff. A little bit more talky, like some of the songs, if you take, there's three versions of each song, right? The three versions through, throughout the three, it's the same 10 songs, three times over. So it's really cool to have, yeah, so like in the Hallelujah one, there might be an instrumental for one of the songs, right? And you're like, you don't think twice about it. And then you go down to the Jubilee version, and instead of, you know, you get a like a real version, like with lyrics and stuff like that. And one of the songs from before that was a normal song, like Purgatory, that's one of his old songs um, that he redoes for this. He then on the next one, like it's on the Hallelujah, but then on Jubilee, it might just be an instrumental. But by the time you get to Joyful Noise, the third time going through, they're all like deconstructed songs. And I'm like, this is so cool that we're doing like country music instrumentations, but we've introduced the fucking electronica, but not in a shitty like click track bro country way. Like we're like. Sturgill Simpson, like, really fucking with sound and de- completely stripping these songs of, like, their entire pieces. It's really fun to, like, listen to these same songs three times over. It was a long listen. I mean, as you can guess, I mean, it's like 108 minutes. It's like li- watching a whole movie. Um, and I didn't pay attention to every moment, but I thought it was really cool. By the time you got to the last one, it was like you're hardly even hearing the songs as they were. But as you sort of paid attention to some of the big ones you can just see how he was slowly deconstructing them all the way through. And I've just, what a weird thing. However, to make all this short, those are all great records, but I have two standout albums for me um, over the last couple of weeks. The The band is called Vansire, uh, V-A-N-S-I-R-E, and the, the record is called The Modern Western World. Probably that song is the most indicative, but they're kind of a weird, there's elements of jazz, there's elements of indie rock, there's elements of like pop punk, it's just as a whole piece together, there's there, there, there's some that are just violins. There's some that are different people singing, just like a beautiful French woman singing a song. I have no idea what to make of this record, The Modern Western World, but I've listened to it a few times over, and it's lovely. I really, really like it. You've, you've jumped in, Kelly. What's your, your move in here? Uh, I mean, it's a great uh, soundtrack for an indie movie for sure. That's what I mean. Yeah. So it's very cool. And the, like the, 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 the cover almost invokes like a, a TWA terminal where like you're getting on a plane in 1964. It's very cool. I don't know what the aesthetic, like if they're going for that, but even like the French pop singer, that's something you just don't see, but that's something that was always done back oh, in yeah. the sixties, you know, oh, yeah. like French pop was such a big thing and, and French, you know, the, the French movies and stuff were so big. The other band, um, that just I found in 2019 and I'm so happy is back is a band called the Sudan Archives, uh, Natural Brown Prom Queen. Fucking A, fucking A, fucking A, fucking A. <laughs> if you love Don Richards, I love Don Richards. She is so fucking good. She'll just go from playing the violin to, to rapping to singing. She has a beautiful voice. Um, if, again, Don Richards, if you like Don Richards, I love Don Richards. It's very different. The whole album is just. It, it doesn't sound like the same thing over and over and over. And you got to love records that just take chances. So I do appreciate um, the Sudan Archive. Yeah. Uh, v- like vocal wise, 
not so much, but um, music-wise, it reminds me of uh, SZA a lot. I feel like that kind of thing. But again, more musically interesting. There's more. You love the knives. There you go. So Sudan Archives is probably the one takeaway out of all of this. Them and Planes, honestly, are the two like just top. top That's good. Um, A lot of people making great, great music, and obviously Death Cab. I would say Death Cab too. Those are the three that I think are the most surprisingly cool and interesting on all of these. So, all right. So, yep. Those are our recommendations. Bam. All right. Are you ready to pick? I know, right? We go so long. Well, I mean, it's just because we don't get to hang out. So it's like all these little feelings we could know, have know. hanging out. You got to have them now. True. That's what I mean. That's why you just save all this. And that's the beauty of editing. Okay. It's the beauty um, of editing. Random word out. generator, please. All right, Kelly. We are, we are finished with this episode of Talking Bear Mountain Picnic Massacre Blues, also known as the episode where we talked about music for double the length of this episode <laughs> and um we are going to hopefully not repeat that next time we get together because it won't be as long in between there won't be any um any weddings in the foreseeable future hopefully no oh, deaths yeah, congrats as well. to beck oh i don't know if we're allowed congrats to say your, to beck. your sister's name oh my gosh privileged information well yeah oh hey yeah that's too that's too close too on the nose um congrats to everybody um for sure but anyways no we'll, we'll get back together and in order to get back together we need to have two things one of them is a sponsor please give us money uh, at <gasps> substack or patreon Ooh. um or we need to uh, have you pick the next song. Otherwise, I mean, I don't even know what we would do if you didn't pick something. So that'd be weird. Mm. We've never tried it out. Just not yeah. having a song. And then and we would just start and be like, oh. recording. And then we would just be, And we'd just be like, what up. have you done? And then we would just talk about other music. For two hours. We could totally do that. For two hours. <laughs> you could. This, this entire <laughs> podcast could just stop. Yep. Bob Dylan who? Sorry. We're going to pick uh, next next episode. Episode 147. So you say. So I say. All right. First word, pipe. P-I-P-E. Pipe. Three pipes. There are three pipes. Okay. That one's promising then. Okay. Promising, yes. Or Daunting possibly terrible. is the word okay. you're looking for, yes. Well, hit me up with some lyrics. Or would you want to wait and see if we get- No. We get a, yep. Keep, keep, no, get all of them. Yeah, yeah. There's a better one. Uh, this one's tough. Next word, two on the nose for this week. Fairy. F-E-R-R-Y. Fairy. Oh, no. I know. What if it ends up being uh, just we're going to repeat Teddy Bear Mountain? I know, right? Teddy Bear Mountain. Oh my Teddy God. Bear Mountain Massacre, Blaster, Disaster, Picnic, Forever. Forever. There is one fairy. Okay. But we're not going to do it. Okay. So fairies out. Uh, bake! That's in Great bake? British Bake Off. Bake. Oh, hell yeah. Oh, there's got to be some bake in there. Shake a bake. <laughs> yes, of course, Bob Dylan was singing about chicken. There we go. This is better. Three bakes. Okay. I'm liking where we're going for bake. Okay. Uh, contempt. We'll like when you have contempt for Cont- someone. Contempt in court. Oh, that's the thing. Yeah, contempt No court. contempt. Okay. No contempt. Finally, nuance. Oh. We have no room for that. No room for nuance and no, no nuance. All right, so we got to go bake so or pipe. Are- I think we're going to bake. Okay. Hit me with so some we bake have three lyrics. for that, three for the other. The other one is uh, very overwhelming with some big songs. We had Desolation Row. We had Murder Most Foul. We had Visions of Johanna. We had three of the big. Murder Most Foul, the 17 minute song. Yeah, let's. Uh, the, mm-hmm, yeah. <laughs> so we're just talking about, hey, we should maybe do some cool, uh, some side episodes and stuff. Yeah, no, let's just do the longest song that Dylan ever wrote and did. Cool, cool. cool. Yeah. 
we're not going to do that. So we are going to instead go to the bake route, which um, you can accuse me of being a lightweight. And please let us know, SOTW pod, <laughs> everywhere. To tweet me and tell me I'm a coward. That's fine. Um, I respect it. Okay. Number one, the very first choice we have here is one day the little boy and the little girl were both baked in a pie. Okay. We'll allow baked to exist here, I think. Um, okay. So then the next bake. Oh, I do know this one. Sold my guitar to the baker's son. Mm. Okay. And then finally, pick that drip and bake that dough. Oh, shit. <laughs> I think you can almost tell from the kid, it's possibly where that's coming from. What what kind of a sentence is that? Pick that, pick dri- that drip. Bake that dough. Bake that dough. This, okay, so, you know, with my... I like to pretend that I don't know anything about Bob Dylan, but goddamn, we've been doing this for five years, and if I didn't know anything about mm. the man, that would be embarrassing at, at this point. Be nuts. So be nuts. I'm I'm getting uh, basement tapes vibe um, from from that pick that drip, pick that dough, because that d- definitely harkens to some of the nonsense, like open the door home or like the all no those things. Comment. Okay, I gotta say, one day the little boy and little girl were baked in a pie. Not interested. This is Hansel and Gretel. Oh. I mean, I like we've okay. been there, we've done that. This is there's. I need an original moment. Sold my guitar to the Baker's okay. son. That's the most appealing to me because it's like, are you saying you're walking away from music? I don't need this anymore. Fuck it. Are you? Are you gonna, ah, sure. Because that invokes to me. Are you going to kill yourself so you know you don't need it anymore? Are you just walking away from music because this is a, a frivolous pursuit and you'll never right. be able to be an artist? So I might as well give it to the Baker's son. Wow, this so, is intense. So we'll we have either going to the basement tapes or what's going on? Oh no, we're we're sol- we're selling the guitar to the Baker's son for sure. Okay, then we are going back to 1976. We're going to Desire. We're going to Romance in Durango. We're going to the Great Romance in Durango with the Great Scarlet Rivera playing yes. an absolutely beautiful, yes. beautiful violin. Talked about violin all the time on this episode. Yeah, Romance in Durango, great song. Desire. We're filling in some Desire. There's going to be all of it. It's going to be, it's very, it's going to be beautiful. We're going to get some Spanish. So brush up on your Duolingo and uh, the, the chorus is in Spanish. So we're going to roll okay. on that. Yeah. Spanish is a loving tongue. Episode uh, 85. You <gasps> listen to that. Bam. I don't remember. Uh, anyways. Okay, Kelly. Uh, it's been fun hanging out. So we're, we're going to go to Durango. All right. Next time. Hey, and, I've been uh, to Durango, and... Colorado. I don't know if that's what this is about. Definitely not. Durango, Mexico. <laughs> But but we'll pretend we'll, we'll pretend I've been to Durango, Colorado as well. So yeah, we'll just make this all about us. Yeah. All right. Well, we'll I'll see you. Sounds I'll on brand. See, that's it. I'll see you next time. Thank you Bye. so much, Lainey, Lonnie. Again, yes. You're thank you, thank you, and also goodbye. Goodbye. Let's not go to work this morning. Let's not wait to leave the city. We've got just enough money. Let's see how far we can amble One day can make all the difference Rinse the red dirt in the water Can you stay with me?